Welcome to the Nick and Matt Show. Bringing the player interviews you want to hear and the hot topics you want to discuss. Recording live in studio, here's Nick and Matt. What is going on, everybody? We got episode 80 coming at you today from the Nick and Matt Show. I'm joined actually by a plethora of people tonight, so I'm super excited about it. But holy crap, Matt. Wild finish that we just saw at Vegas. Yeah, absolutely. In fact, we had pushed this show back a little bit thinking, oh, you know, we need a little longer to prep for a show. And uh, we were right, but I was starting to get a little nervous. I'm like, they're going into the fourth hole of this playoff. And like, I was nervous for uh, no spoilers this early into the show. We'll talk about it. We're going to talk about it, but we'll give everyone just this little break here in the beginning. We have in the green room, the virtual green room, Dylan Cease, professional MLB pitcher for the Chicago White Sox. Very cool. We'll bring him in in a minute. And did, oh, hold on a second here. I don't think we actually, so don't throw it up yet, but we have Evan off camera. I just realized, oh, he is there. Perfect. So uh, you can throw three up with Evan if you don't mind, Ben. Uh, Evan is here, Stat Mando, on site in Las Vegas right now. I think you're like right off the fairway there near hole one. So how's it going, Evan? Yeah, I'm right in (laughs) Tournament Central just hanging on the balcony. Uh, It was crazy here. It's kind of settling in after uh, that incredible finish on the uh, men and the women's side. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So tell us a little bit. You were there. What was the feeling like actually being there for this event? Oh, it was good. There was, there was a lot of people. Uh, people, it felt like everyone was rooting for uh, Gannon Burr. Uh, it, it, every circle two putty was just banging in on that front nine, the early back nine stretch, loudest cheers of the day. Like everyone felt like it was going to just walk to the finish and, uh, you know, don't want to spoil anything too quickly. But uh, it, it was exciting times and people were excited either way. Wow. Uh, I was out there lucky enough two years ago or yeah, right before COVID. Like I saw people wearing masks on the, in the, on the airport, like to go to Vegas. And I'm like, what's the deal with the masks? Like we didn't have a clue back then. And um, I watched that play out there too for FPO is pretty cool. It's an awesome experience. I'm sure for you, Nick, have you ever played out there at wild horse? I did. I actually played last year's Las Vegas challenge. Um, I ended up getting, <laughs> 49th place so i made 400 dollars. nope i did not get last i made the cut and there was actually there was a couple people who did make the cut they didn't get paid though but i was up fortunately to be above that cut line and get paid at the same time so i was super awesome it's not really generally my style of disc golf you know it's a lot of bomber holes but the end of a factory store is actually my favorite golf course that i've ever played on which they play in round three i actually did like that one a lot the other two courses were i don't know kind of meh this (laughs) That style of tournament, I would say for the Wild Horse Country Club, in order for it to be like extra hard, it has to be windy. And so when you have days where there aren't wind or when you get to a certain time of the day where the wind really dies down, it just becomes a scoring fest. Kind of like what we saw today, a lot of, I think it was 13 downs with no, or excuse me, no bogeys or anything like that. And so in order for those courses to really play hard, you need the wind out there. All right, we are going to break a lot of this down, what happened out there. We'll pull up all the stats that we have on it and talk about the emerging storylines after the very first event of the year. Um, But before we get right into this Dylan Cease conversation, which we're looking forward to, it's going to be awesome, is there was a Zuka ad. I don't know, Evan, you were out there, so you probably didn't catch it. But Nick, did you happen to catch the new Zuka ad and the music that played with it? I 
did not. Okay. I've probably seen the ad, but I didn't pay attention to the music. Well, it was, uh, how do I put it? It was something from Nick and Matt show. When you look back uh, to our first year, the you'll, if whoever's been here a while will remember it, and I'm going to do my best to hum it out for you guys. But it's got that bass line. And it was that cool like oh, yeah, ESPN-ish type yeah. intro to it. It played yeah. during the Zuka ad, and I'm like, that's Nick and Matt, like, first year. Like, they took it. They found it. There they go. So, all right. That just uh, it struck me as funny right before the show came on. I realized that. All right. So, without further ado, let's go ahead and swap out Evan for the moment. But, Evan, you're still microphoned up, so we're going to have you jump in here whenever you want because I know Evan is a big fan. And why isn't Dylan showing up here? What do we do? Hold on. Oh, there we hold on a second. Try that again. Try that again. Try it again. Let's see how that works. No. Hold on. This is the the fun on the back end here. Let me see what that would be for. Oh, there. Yeah. So we pulled him up there. Okay. Welcome to the show, Dylan. We're really excited to have you. Uh, you your friends there are cats. Is that correct? Yes. My uh, my babies. Oh no. Here's the other one. Sage and Luna. Sage. So Luna's hanging nice. right now. Sage and Luna. Awesome. So, uh, Ben, to our assistant producer here, you're going to have to go to full screen on us because I don't think the three ups working right here. So you are not currently in a baseball season. What are you doing to fill your time? Any disc golf or where are we at with that? I haven't disc golfed in probably like six weeks. Um, once I ramp up my throwing for my season, um, it gets kind of hard to like, to basically find a time where my arm feels good and my body feels good. And, and, um, yeah, so I, I tend to not risk it, um, at this point, but I'm, I'm kind of been craving it lately. I might have to get out, get out and play around. So where, where, where are you located during the MLB's off season? Yeah. So I, uh, I have a townhouse in, uh, Kennesaw, Georgia. So, uh, I spent a lot of time here, but then I'll travel. I actually was in Vegas, um, I don't remember when I went out and played a couple of courses with Paul out there. So I'll travel around in my off season, but, uh, for, for the most part, it's really just me prepping for my, for my upcoming season. Gotcha. Okay. So what's that, what's that look like during the off season? What's that kind of like, what's your preparation for the upcoming baseball season? Yeah. So I do, um, I have it scheduled to where I do four weight training sessions a week, Mondays, lower body, Tuesday, upper body, Wednesday, I do Pilates and yoga, and then Thursday, Friday is lower upper, and then I try to mix in yoga basically as much as I can. Um, so I do, so that's the physical training, and then, um, you know, a little bit of like the mental training will be like visualizing. Um, and then once we get, once I'm like in November ish, I start kind of slowly ramping up my throwing. Um, and then it's, it's kind of like a, it's about a month process, so long toss for a month, and then bullpens, and then you do bullpens for a month, and you kind of keep progressing till till game action. But right now, because of uh, because of the lockout, I'm kind of just in in limbo. Okay, uh, can you tell us? We're just gonna bounce all over the place, but yep. Major League Baseball is your thing, and you get asked a lot about disc golf from disc golfers, and some are like, "Hey, you ever think like?" 
you might get into disc golf. And I'm like, that's a, that's an absurd question at this point in his career. Uh, so I'm not going to ask you that one, but let, let me just ask like as a, a hobby and it's something fun to do. Like how much do you like disc golf? Like, I don't know, one through 10 or whatever your favorite way to explain that is. Oh, it's, it's right up there with my favorite hobby. It probably is my favorite hobby, honestly. I mean, um, I basically, at the end of my season, I play it for like six weeks straight, like four or five days a week, um, as, as much as I can. So I'm always, I'm always watching Joe Mez. Um, my brother and I text back and forth all the time about, you know, kind of what's going on. So it's, uh, it's definitely up there for my favorite hobby. Okay. Hey, Evan, I'm going to throw this one over to you. You sent me a text last week in regards to this. What is the name of that pitcher? Cause I'm already forgetting. And in the pitching style, ask, ask that question you had. <clears throat> oh yeah. So I, I was curious on your thoughts. Everybody knows, uh, Craig Kimbrell, uh, his pre-pitch motion is a little bit unique. Uh, just what do you think if a professional disc golfer had that kind of style or maybe a similar style, uh, in a pre-putt routine? Well, first off, I was actually teammates with Craig for uh, the second half of the season. Tremendous guy. Um, I think it'd be great for the game of disc golf. Any, anytime you throw anything funky in there like that, put it on a T-shirt, brand it, perfect for the game of disc golf. That's right. All right. And, and audio listeners, or, or actually any listeners, if you don't know who Craig Kimball is, uh, I don't even know how to best – YouTube, what he does. search it he on kinda, YouTube. Yeah, he like leans over and kind of hangs at his arm kind of out in front of him. And and often opposing fans will kind of mimic him as he do it, does it to try to get in his head. It, it's, it's a great time, but it gets him in the zone. And he's a, one of the best closers baseball has seen. He played for the Red Sox for a few years, so we still love him too. He'll be a Hall of Famer for sure. So when people do, Evan just mentioned this, and because you're a professional athlete in the MLB, when people do stuff like that behind home plate, like whether that's pretty, I mean, I don't call it aggressive, but everyone starts putting their arms out and like, does that, are you so focused? You don't see that stuff or like, does that stuff actually, could it affect you? It's tough because I've never had okay. uh, an experience with anything like that. Um, I mean, my experience with it is, um, you know, essentially, I mean, when it comes to game time, you're, you're pretty locked into what you're trying to do. So, um, I doubt, I doubt that affected him in any way, but it's always funny to watch it on uh, highlights after. Yeah, no doubt. Nick, who, who has the most unique, um, I don't know if I'd say form. I mean, Eric Oakley kind of stands out a little bit with like his, I feel like it's kind of like a dance form yeah. per se. Um, well, it, yeah. Eric, Eric's got a pretty unique form. I'm trying to think who, who would have like what a pretty about, unique pre-shot. Well, like, oh, Nate, Nate Sexton, Sexton flipping. Yeah. Flipping the disc. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I, I feel like um, is that? Oh is, yeah, that's a player. Cool. Uh, he kind of does like a yeah. Oops, sorry, mm -hmm. he's got a he's got a unique throw. He he really pumps it out there and then comes back down with it and kind of like then pushes through. His yeah. is pretty unique. I guess if you look back in the day, I mean OG disc golfers back we're talking like 80s and 90s and 2000s. They had some pretty incredible form. I know there's a uh, is it Ron Russell. He puts almost completely like facing backwards at the basket. And then in the last second, he turns around and puts at it. I know he, he was in a YouTube video not too long ago, but um, he's got a very unique putting style. So a lot of the OG players, I think kind of it's, it's finally, it's really tuning in now. Yeah. So 
you've played for about if if my research is correct disc golf for maybe about four or five years and it actually seems like maybe that's longer than you've been in the major leagues uh you've played is that correct yeah so i think i got introduced in around 2017 but i didn't really get into it until like 2018 i didn't really like it at first honestly um i would come home to my to my house in georgia and my twin brother and I were still living at my parents' house at the time. I was in the minor leagues, and he was doing uh, flight school to become a pilot. And I would come home, and he would have a, uh, he would have Jomez on, and uh, I just thought it was like the weirdest, like whatever. But you know, I dismissed it. And then he got me out, uh, got me out to Wills Park, and I went out and watched and, and walked the courses with him a couple times. Then I tried it, and I didn't like it at first because of how hard it was. But it just, I got addicted. <laughs> You got so what addicted. Do you, what do you feel like? Yeah. What do you feel like kind of brought that competitive itch into it or like that addiction? Was it just wanting to, because you're obviously a professional athlete. Was it literally just, I want to get better at this. And so I can go out and beat people or just for the sake of, I want to get better at it just to be good at it. I think at first it was, um, it was, it was more fun just kind of trying to figure out how to make my body move to like produce what I was trying to produce it. Very similar to pitching. Mm-hmm. Um, and then my brother Alec would be able to do it. And it would be, you know, to me, looking at it at the time, I was like, man, that's crazy that he can control it like that and shake the shot like that. Um, and I was like, it, it seemed so impossible at first that I was just kind of determined to, like, keep trying until uh, I got to a point where I could I could play. And then once I got to that point where uh, every once in a while I even had a good shot, it just it hooked me. You know, I think it probably only took a couple of a couple of good close shots and for me to for me to be pretty hooked on it. Yeah, and again, I think you've played in maybe one tournament. Is that sound correct? And uh, what uh, divi- what division do you play in, and how did that go? I think it was technically two tournaments. It was okay. the Title Town Classic in Tuscaloosa, Alabama. Uh, my first rated round was a nine thirty three. Uh, I think the park was called OC Park. It was it was kind of a it was a very wide open park for the most part. Uh, but I actually I went on a stretch where I think I had like six or seven birdies in a row, which I don't know. It was, uh, I played really well. Uh, and then the next one, what's the name of that park? Man, I can't remember it, but, uh, it wasn't Bowers. There's a different one. Um, and there I shot, I want to say I shot around even, I was under for a long time. And then there was an Island hole and I ended up like quadruple bogeying on the Island (laughs) hole and making like the most amateur move ever. Uh, and I, I just played, I, I think just amateur open. Okay. So like, yeah, AM one. So the, yeah. the high, highest AM division you can play in. Yep. That's awesome, dude. Um, so I feel like, again, I listen to other podcasts, shout out to running it with Nate Sexton. We love what they're doing over there. And you've been on a few others, I think Smashbox kind of around the time of the celebrity pro-am maybe. So I've listened to some of this and that's where I'm getting some of this insight here. Um, I've heard you mention that you like talking about, or you like the mechanics of being an athlete, like how that looks for each sport, you specifically being a pitcher at the professional level, I'm sure it must be very big part of what you do. Um, can you tell us about how that works at the professional, um, major league baseball? Like what are they looking at and how are you reviewing your mechanics? Yeah. Um, well, I mean, w- with baseball, there's everybody's body sort of moves differently and creates like unique mechanics and unique patterns. 
Um, I mean, honestly, what you're looking for is is how much power and control you're able to, to produce with your with your body and mechanics. So, um, you know, it's kind of it's kind of like with disc golf, how you know Paul and some of these other guys are like half my size, but they're throwing it 250 feet further. It's because they've got these flawless mechanics, you know. And it's like it, it's cool that um, you know once you sort of get to the polishing stages of the mechanics. It's like the littlest tweaks and timing and, and um, you know, things like that that can create that extra 100, 200 feet. So, uh, you know, with disc golf, I actually try to work with, um, with overthrow disc golf, uh, Josh Rowe. And uh, he came down and we shot some content for a little bit. But it, it, it's one of those things where for me to really get, I think, that next level of disc golf mechanics, I'd really have to sit and focus on it for a while. And so I'm kind of content at just staying at like the 350, 400 foot range right now and kind of just playing in that, uh, in, in that range. Okay. Um, so, so I'm actually doing some, uh, some work, I think probably in the next week or so with overthrow disc golf. Cause they're from the Lynchburg, Virginia area, which is where I currently reside. And so Josh and I have been talking back and forth, just trying to get some dates settled to where, you know, we can actually go out to a field and I'm hoping it's soon. Cause I got Waco coming up and like, two weekends. And so I'd like to feel a little bit more prepared for that a little bit better backhand form actually go out and do pretty well at my first See, pro tour for the 2022. The problem is with mechanics, you, you can't think mechanics when you're actually competing because it gets in the way no. that yeah. for the majority of my baseball career, I was very mechanically focused. And, um, but yeah, to reach that next level, you basically, it has to be like you've practiced your mechanics so much that it's just second nature. So uh, I'm getting I'm getting there with baseball. I think that's an, a never ending process, but um, I'm pretty far away with disc golf, unfortunately. So and where do you how do you how do you compare kind of the professionalism like you're, you're playing professional baseball? You're in one of the biggest organizations in the world and kind of a, a much larger sport than what disc golf is. Disc golf is growing currently right now. But what was it that you did? kind of growing up that really separated you from other players. Like I have, I have a really good buddy from Massachusetts who made it onto, I think the double a pirates team. His name is Nick Economos bombs drives. He did a video with Simon. He's a wicked good disc golfer, but it was also a really good pitcher. Just never made it up to that top league getting into the MLB. Like what separated you from a majority of the other people, you know, percentage wise. Yeah. Um, well, for starters, I, I, I throw very hard and I'm also, I'm also a starting pitcher. So I'm able to maintain my velocity throughout the game. So we'll get, I'll, I'll get a little detailed about it because baseball is very analytical mm. these days. So I sit, I'll sit like 96, 97 as a starter, which is, which is very fast. Um, my fastball has a good carry and ride, which you can, because of our, our basically um, like, our tracking tools, you can read everything about how the ball is coming out of your hand. So I throw it a 1230 arm slot. This, this arm action slot and slot creates good ride or carry. And I also spin my fastball really well. On top of that, I have two plus plus off-speed pitches. So my curveball, which I'll throw anywhere from 78 to 83. Um, I get a lot of depth on it. I get a lot of spin on it. Um, and then my slider, which is my best pitch, I'll throw it 85 to 90, really. Um, and I get crazy spin and crazy movement on it. So uh, for me, it's just uh, I have sort of the um, 
I'm fortunate to have like a lot of a lot of elite tools at my disposal. Mm-hmm. <laughs> elite tools. That's right. So when someone asks that question, you're like, well, how do I say it but say it nicely? Like you have to be born with some element of that yeah. that gift, if you will. So I yeah, get and that. you can develop. There's a lot of developing that comes to it, but um, you know, a lot of it is like. I'm fortunate that I'm naturally gifted in a lot of areas. And um, so now it's pretty much, now I have no excuse other than to mold it into something hopefully great. Okay. So to touch back a little bit, you you started breaking down like, hey, there's mechanics and, and you start out once you figure out all your mechanics and you just make it a part of your game. You don't think about it. Now you can tweak the small little things. What are sure. some of the ways that and I feel like I'm leading this conversation here. You have coaches that you work with, I'm sure. Coaches. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. we talked about this last week on our show. There, I don't want to say there aren't disc golf coaches because like overthrow is starting to get involved and help remotely and all that, but like at the highest level, even like Paul or Ricky or even go FPO page, right? Missy, like you don't see actively engaged coaches. Do you think that would be a big part for the sport of disc golf if there were these people who could do that for these top athletes? I Yeah, I mean, the thing is, I think the reason they're at the top is because they have that mastered. You know, like, I could could Paul McBeth get any better mechanically? Uh, I don't think so. Or, or, I mean, I'm sure you could, but um, I think those guys, I think they make it to the top level because of, just the amount of reps and effort they put into it. But I'm sure like probably when they were younger, I'm guessing if you, if you got coaching when you're younger, you can kind of maybe circumnavigate some of the growing pains that would come from, um, you know, have an experiment. Like for me, like I'll go out and play and one round I'll come in and I'll be like, man, I really think I could pursue this if I wanted to. And then the next day I'll go play around and it's like, I, I'm getting rid of my, I'm getting rid of my discs. I'm over this. I don't know why I do this. I don't know why I do this myself. So <laughs> Same. Uh, it, probably, it would probably, probably help uh, more amateur players get a little more consistency. But I think to make it to the next level, you kind of just got to have that. You have to have that drive and that just relentless, uh, you know, work work effort towards it. Mm-hmm. That's that's good insight. I, I'm I'm glad I asked that question. I had a different perspective, but coming from you, I'm going to take that and and think about it. Yeah, definitely think, you know, uh, having a coach, no matter what, I think at the end of it is going to help you no matter what. It doesn't matter like what kind of, it's like Tom Brady. We said this last week. Tom Brady's one of the best quarterbacks that ever played the game, if not the best. But he still has quarterback coaches helping him and stuff that he may have missed on a certain play or yada, yada, yada. I think having a disc golf coach, almost like, you know, imagine if your disc golf coach was your caddy. And as you're walking around, it's almost like a golf caddy to where they read out the greens. They're telling you how far away you are from a pin, you know, stuff like that. I think having that coach and, and especially for practice, you know, makes an immense amount of difference. I, I could only assume in a positive way for the most part, too. I don't think there would be too, too many negatives about it. Um, but, yeah, I definitely think more at the amateur early level pro stage, someone really trying to get up there, like Dylan said, building that consistency, having that coach help you out with that is incredible. I think another big thing, too, is like, when I've played with Paul or some of the higher level guys, basically my gut instinct with what disc to use and what angle to hit and all that is always wrong. You know, it'll be like, I want to do like a flex shot with the Zeus through the woods. And they're like, Hey man, why don't you just take your Luna, put it on a little hyzer and make the thing go straight 250 feet. And then, and then putt from there. And I'm like, Oh, 
yeah, I guess that does make a lot more sense than having to make like a perfect flex, flex shot. So that would be another big thing is just shot selection. But I'm sure at that top level, I mean, you've got to know what you're doing to be up there. Yeah. Oh, no, no. I think that's one of the biggest things going from, let's say, high level amateur to early level pro is shot selection is a big thing. I notice, you know, I play a lot of local stuff with a lot of more recreational amateur players in my area right now. And I think one of the biggest things is their shot selection is just so much different from mine. Granted, I can usually throw a little bit further than them. I can usually put a little bit better. But when it comes to breaking down a hole, once you play it so many times, you just learn that, like, yeah, it is a better shot to actually just throw that putter instead of trying to finesse that fairway through the woods or finesse that buzz instead of trying to power a putter. There's just so many different things that I think would take a 940 rated player and turn them into a 970 rated player, take a 970 rated player, turn them into a nine or yeah, 990 rated player. And then there's obviously, you know, the biggest thing is getting consistent with your putting. Once you have confidence in your putting, that's a huge milestone. And then figuring out what shot works best for you. If you're a great forehand player, rely on that forehand as much as you can and then learn how to play with that backhand and vice versa. Yeah. So Dylan, uh, you are a part of press conferences, I'm sure. And like, do you do post game interviews and things of that nature? Is that something you're familiar with? Yep. Do you ever get asked questions? This is, this is a yes or no question, but maybe elaborate. Do you ever get asked questions that upset you or you feel like, why are you asking that? Or have you come to a place where media is media? Um, there, was one, there was one specific person that I would say used to potentially ask questions to sort of see if you could get a reaction. <laughs> um, but I think I gave so many non-reactions that kind of stopped. So, um, you know, for the most part, you know, for the most part, most of the questions are are fairly basic. Um, so it doesn't it's it's sort of just you know, it doesn't take it doesn't take much effort for me to to give them, you know, my best answer to that. So um there hasn't been an instance where, you know, like if I've had a bad game, I, I guess where you can go with that is like if I had a bad game, is do I get upset about it? It's like no, because I had the bad game. It was my fault, my responsibility. I should have to ask, I should have to answer any hard question because I was horrible that game, you know? So I'm always pretty even keel with it. And to be clear, you're not having that many bad games. Uh, Evan, do you have a stat, yeah. on, a stat on that for Fenway Park, I think? Because we're out here from the Massachusetts. So he wanted to pull up a stat from Fenway. What do you got, Evan? Yeah, so I, I looked up on stats on like how many stadiums you've played in in Major League Baseball. I believe it's 16. Uh, kind of saw, you know, total starts, ERA, all that good stuff. And uh, honestly, try to cherry pick it to uh, <laughs> make a good one for Fenway. And uh, Fenway is home to your highest batting average against. I want to say it's over point three five. Um, okay. So uh, uh, just fun little <laughs> tidbit there. Uh, but that brings me into a good question. Is, since you played in 16 stadiums, uh, which one has been your uh, favorite to pitch in or maybe also has been the toughest to pitch in as an away pitcher? Mm. Well, you've ruined any chance I'm going to put Fenway in there now. Uh, <laughs> now, my favorite, uh, Wrigley Field and Fenway are, are to me just like the most classic, you know, growing up, if I was playing, playing Nintendo 64 with my brother, it was that Fenway or was that Wrigley? Uh, so those are the two of the coolest I've played at. Um, Yankee Stadium was awesome as well. Uh, in terms of 
least favorite to pitch at. Um, the Oakland A Stadiums doesn't have the most modern amenities. Um, Were you guys there but, when the uh, sewer got backed up? Oh yeah, it, it, if there's water there in any way, you kind of get that smell. Uh, <laughs> oh god. Or else. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's not kidding, by the way. You look it up. There's. there's... Most of the stadiums are are. You know, I mean, it's major leagues. It's it's there. It's hard to find things to complain about with them. Yeah. And I was just going to say, when Evan brought up that stat about uh, Fenway Park, I'm like, hold on a second. I've, I've sat in the seats I, of I Fenway Park. There, I pitched there one time. I went four <laughs> and two thirds. I gave up two runs. I think I punched up six, maybe. Uh, uh, You're good, dude. I was just thinking, dude, I, dude. I sit in the seats there, and you actually pitch there. Like, we're just, I don't know. I set that yeah, up horribly. That I said, was, do you get offended by questions? That, that <laughs> stadium... We're, we're pretty surreal where it's like, man, is this, is this real life? Like I really do this, you know, it's, uh, yeah. Pitching it, especially when you, I grew up such a big baseball fan. I mean, I, I, I viewed major league baseball players like they were superheroes. So to be sitting there warming up about to face the Boston Red Sox, you're like, man, what, what world am I in right now? This is crazy. And then, and then three months later, you're playing disc golf with Paul McBeth and you're like, how can my life get any better? I don't know. <laughs> This is I get to I get to play disc golf with Paul McBeth, which is pretty nice, but I don't get to pitch at Fenway Park, which you know, maybe one day if we're all hanging out, you can hook that up and I can throw off the you know the mound one time, just once. But I'll my, my 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 fifty eight mile per hour fastball would you know do pretty well, I think. I'll do my best. But um so I was gonna ask, I kind of got two questions of this. Is there a team or a certain player that you absolutely just hate pitching against, whether they do really well off of you or you just don't like the people on the team, maybe? And then my other one is you were bringing up when you pitched at Fenway Park, you kind of remembered all your stats pretty quickly. And that's yeah. something like I can look back at tournaments that I played in 2017, 2018 and remember a lot of stuff about them. Like, is that how you are in your MLB career to where if I said, hey, in you know, 2020, you pitched against the Yankees, how did you do? And then can you kind of like tell me how you did? I could probably give you the spark notes summary of most of the games I've pitched in. Um, but I mean, like – it's tough because then you face a team like I'll, I've I've faced Kansas City or Detroit so many different times. You'd have to be like really specific, like on, you know, this is what happened in the first inning or something for me to probably. Remember. OK, yep. Uh, what was so teams I faced? What, yeah, uh, teams you face that you don't like or just a certain player who either just hits really well off of you or whatever. Yeah. Um, first one that comes to mind, uh, Aaron Judge has been a pretty tough out. Um Nelson Cruz was a tough out. I never liked facing that guy. Uh, um, who else? Team-wise, the Astros have gotten to me a couple of times, but I had a I had a one good start against them. Um, Minnesota used to get to me a lot. Um, specific players. I mean, I could go. There's usually one or two on every team. Like, like for instance, this year. Uh, Salvador Perez during his hot streak, his his home run streak. I mean, that guy was like, that guy was like Babe Ruth and Mike Trout combined for a month somehow. Yeah. Well, let, let me throw it around this way for a second. Uh, I, I know you faced uh, Shohei Otani when he's also pitching on the mound against you. Uh, so for those who don't know, he, he he pitches and he bats in place of the DH for the Angels. Uh, how does how does I think he even got a homer off you in the game I looked at? Like, how does that feel going against the pitcher and just having to be that good? Um, 
I mean, I don't think I don't know if he pitched the game that I faced him. I think he was DHing. Was he pitching? He might have actually. I'll have to. I'll have to go back and look. This is Stat, uh, Stat I, I Mando think, from the disc golf world. I, we'll see how accurate he actually is. <laughs> I think. Yeah. Was he pitching uh, that game? I believe he did. I want to say he only went like four and change, or maybe five innings. Uh, he he didn't pitch overly well, but not you know didn't I get think, blown out of the way. Yeah, I mean that was that was really early in the year when I faced him. Um, yeah. So I, it, he wasn't at, he wasn't established like he is now, where it's like, man, this guy's the the most freakish guy in the MLB. Um, <laughs> I always I always knew he was powerful, and like you watch him. You watch some of the balls he hits or watch him take BP and it's like, man, this guy's this guy's got some bat speed. Um, but yeah, I mean, going in facing him, I didn't have him I didn't have him on the elevated um, you know, mantle that he kind of put himself in right now. But his I mean, he his stuff wise pitching is just about as good as anyone in baseball. And he's just about as prolific as a power hitter as anyone in baseball. So um mm. you know, to, to see to be able to do both of that, I mean it's 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 pretty unique, and I, I hope that he does get as much um, sort of respect and admiration as as he deserves for that. I, I think it'll be really good for baseball too. Mm-hmm. So so here here's a question for you, and I hope you don't mind. We go down this road. What is the what are the rules in the MLB? And this is showing how unfamiliar I am with it. Besides just watching it casually, for yeah. a pitcher and grip enhancement on their hands? Because we're going to talk about something for disc golf here in a minute. What's the rules for MLB pitchers? Can you put stuff on? Can you not? What can you, can't you type deal? Yeah, so it used to be, uh, I mean, the, the rules have always been you're not supposed to put anything on. Um, it used to kind of be back in the day that it, it was sort of an unwritten rule that, you know, potentially if you could, you could find different ways uh, to try and improve grip. And uh, I know a lot of players tried doing that. Um, yeah, but the rules are uh, you're definitely not supposed to have anything okay. that, that is other than rosin. Okay, so rosin. Uh, so interestingly enough, I'm going to give a shout out right now. We have a sponsor here on the Nick and Matt show, uh, not affiliated with Dylan Seas or the Chicago White Sox. <laughs> it is a purely Nick and Matt show. By the way, I'll be uh, right back. Okay, okay, perfect timing. <laughs> uh, so we have this dg max wax this is uh, there i got a good lighting on it there max wax this first of all nick you talked about this last week the smell i mean just describe that smell i just did it again i'm loving it yeah it's almost like a it's it's like a honeyish smell i can't honey think of it lemon. Off the top of my head, it's like it's, this, like it's a citrusy yeah. honey it's really really yeah. nice so exactly. this good. is the actually uh PDGA legal mini. You can use this if you'd like to. I don't know that I would, but it's the right size. And you get your hands on this and you just rub a little bit on this uh, mini and your hands become enhanced with grip, including this little chapstick sized container. You can literally just rub it on like a couple of your fingers on your throwing hand. And now you put a disc in my hand, which I'll do. And I just feel immediate extra grip where i feel like and i know because i've practiced with it i get extra spin and uh dylan looks like he's lined back up with a power source now dylan is that the whole purpose of grip enhancement when people were trying to do it in the mlb was to get extra spin on the ball yes so essentially if you can add two or three hundred um rotations per minute on your spin 
that goes from like being put into play into to foul off or swung and miss. So it was it's definitely a huge advantage if you can get extra grip. Well, so this product right here, DG Max Wax, that is what they advertise. This is not a product that's supposed to like dry your hands like you get those powder bags. This is actually a grip enhancement and it is some sort of wax. I think it comes from a, a beeswax, uh, something. You can check it out at dgmaxwax.com. I like the product a lot. Use the code Nick and Matt. You're going to get 10% uh, off your order. Nick, uh, what do you think of the product if you had to give one line on it? No, I've been messing around with it during my practice rounds. I haven't uh, gotten comfortable enough yet during my, you know, casual tournaments that I've been playing here down in Virginia. But now that I'm taking it out to uh, B tier and then to Waco and Belton, I'm definitely going to try to use it every single time. I will say my favorite part about it so far has been the chapstick. I think that's definitely given me what I feel like is the most grip <laughs> You're and comfortability it on your lips, without being like, too grippy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, the cha the chapstick bottle full of you know, the wax for your fingers. Um, that's probably been my favorite. I'm probably, you know, a decent way through that actually now. And it, my favorite thing about it is it does not, like I feel comfortable still putting. Like I don't feel like I have so much grip that I'm not going to release my putter. And so I think that's what's been very nice about it. Yeah, it's awesome. I really appreciate the fact that we have the opportunity to represent this product to all of our listeners. In fact, as soon as we made this talk and discussion last week, People went out and bought it and people wrote back to us and said, hey, I got this. And I said, I really believe in this product. And just like Dylan said, the fact that if it adds and he said in MLB, if it added two to three hundred revolutions per minute, that's a big deal. In disc golf, I know spinning is very important for the, you know, the stability of your disc. Go check it out. Yeah. Thank you very much, DG Max Wax, for what you're doing over there. Excellent product. Use code Nick and Matt. All right, so it's not a thing in the MLB, Dylan, but it is in disc golf. There's no rule against it right now. So, like, do you think that mm, that well, it well, probably, uh, yeah, it probably is a good advantage in disc golf, don't you think? Yeah, I would think so. I mean, didn't, yeah, Paul Paul definitely made a video. Uh, yeah. Yeah, where, I don't know where he got the inspiration for it, but <laughs> brilliantly, he was able to uh, sort of kind of work on something along those lines. <laughs> it, was a, it was a fun video i uh i had the pleasure of actually being in that video and we tried out it was five different performance hand enhancements whatever you want to call them i guess mm -hmm. and uh <laughs> we had stuff like this spider tack crap that was literally yeah. the most sticky thing where, where i put that on and i could i could hold the disc just sticking on my hand it was actually disgusting that zeus is actually i'm pretty sure still downstairs somewhere covered in that crap and i bet you if i went and grabbed it right now it's still like, like stick to my hand that's that's insane how much that was but uh it's definitely cool i'd love to i'm you know i really want to get used to it a little bit more while it is still something that is legal in the pdga i mean there's if it gives you an advantage and it's legal why not i think you'd Absolutely. be kind of sorry not not to use it i guess at that point yeah, so in the disc golf world, now that people know, oh, Dylan Cease, I mean, that's something that comes with you being a professional athlete, and the disc golf world sees that, and they say, hey, here's an opportunity for someone to represent our product. Do you have disc golf companies reaching out to you, like, a lot, or is it not a lot, or are you representing anyone now, or how, how does that look for you? Yeah, I'll have, um, like, I'll have a lot of, you know, hey, can you wear, like, this t-shirt, and then they'll send me mm. something cool, and I'll, I'll rep it. Um, yeah, my main affiliation is actually Discraft. Uh, shout out to Bob. Hell yeah. All those guys. Um, yeah, but other than that, I, I don't really have any uh, anything specific. Um, oh, Birdie. 
um, birdie disc golf has, has sent me some cool hoodies and, um, some discs. So yeah, no, I actually, uh, I, I definitely would love to sort of get into some of the branding and, and disc golf. Cause I think it's, it's really cool that it's such a, a YouTube sport in my opinion. Um, that I think there's just a, a, a really good opportunity for, um, like cool merchandise and cool branding. So <laughs> Yeah, I mean that's to- oh, totally yeah, cool, absolutely. and and people would be dying. I feel like maybe I'm overselling it to have Dylan C's wear their disc golf product. So that's cool. Yeah, oh gosh, definitely, yeah, uh, definitely open to anything. Uh, I got some, I got some ambitious goals for for disc golf because, like you guys said, it's it's probably unlikely that I'm ever going to get to compete at uh, the highest levels. But I think um, I think I could do some some really cool things uh, to sort of help either promote it or just you know put on some some um, bring some eyes to it, if you will. Oh, no doubt. In disc golf right now, we see a lot of players have you know a ton of different sponsorships. You know, low level professionals will have some. I mean, like for me personally, I have a manufacturer sponsorship and then I have a pro you know a pro shop sponsorship. What's that like in the MLB terms? Like you are a player for the Chicago White Sox, and then do you have like a glove sponsor? Do you have a bat sponsor when you need to hit? Is that kind of how it is in the MLB? Do you have, you know, fleet yeah. sponsor? So so for my merchandise, I'm sponsored by Adidas. Um, for my glove, I'm sponsored by Wilson. And those are kind of they'll be anywhere from a one to a couple year deal. Um, and then it's, it's you know, there can be different incentives, different um you know, obviously they, they pay you. So, yeah. So with like Adidas, it's pretty much if I need pleats or if I need shirts or whatever, I just, I just text them and they, they get it sent over. And then, um, I get to spend some money on their website for like merchandise. And then, uh, yeah, Wilson, I get, Wilson will send, let me customize a couple gloves and send me a couple gloves a year. Very cool. So that's almost like, you know, with Paul and grip equipment with his bag, yep. customizes a bag and then they send him a couple yep. bags throughout the year. So that's, that's pretty sweet. And then since you are in a lot larger of a sport, since getting into the professional level of it, maybe even the lower levels, have you been using an agent the whole time as you've been pursuing the baseball dream? Or did an agent come, let's say, after the, your first big deal with the White Sox or whoever you were playing with at the beginning? Yeah, so so I originally, um, my first agency I was with, um, I'd been with them since um, basically my senior year of high school. Um, so... So I was drafted at high school. So, um, so yeah, they did, um, they did that deal. And then I made it all the way through the, up the, uh, the minor leagues and, and now I have a different agent, but I've, I've always had an agent through, through baseball. Okay. This is, is this inappropriate to ask? You can tell me, you said nothing was off limits. Do you chew tobacco? I, and Nick, I'm throwing you under the bus. Nick has, and he's not an MLB player. <laughs> I don't know if he does anymore. I'm not going to ask him to, and I'm not going to tell, I'm not going to make you say anything either, Dylan, but like, that's a thing in the MLB. Is there a favorite snack that you have when you're waiting in the dugout? Well, I don't chew tobacco. If I did, I would definitely tell you, um, a favorite snack, man. I mean, I'm, I'm, I love sunflower seeds. So that's probably my go-to baseball snack. Um, but no, we usually, we usually have some pretty nice snacks in, uh, in the, the, uh, food, food area the food area the area that i will never see (laughs) so that's awesome so i bring that up and you mentioned earlier i think pre-call or something we talked about garrett girthy and uh have you had the opportunity to either try paul mcbeth's version of that with double g craft jerky have you tried any of this jerky yet 
Oh, he sent me. Did he send me some? I think he sent me some. I probably have it in my pantry. I don't think I've tried it. Um, but I need to try it. I, I actually love beef jerky. So is it delicious? Okay. So I'm, yes, I, Nick just said it's amazing. Evan, what do you think about the jerky? Give your line about it. Uh, it, it, it makes every other beef jerky brand taste not good. Uh, it's by far and away the best. How, how big, so how big is this production? You know, like how, how many, how many pounds of jerky or how many, how many bags or whatever is he, is he able to produce a year? Well, that uh, is I a see, I wish, I wish we could just question. hit up Garrett and hit him up right now and like get well, him on the show. But I know he does it like a, he does an insane amount to be all way, way more than I thought he would. Yeah. So, so does he just have land? Does he have <laughs> land in his own and, and cows and, and a, like, how does that, how did, how does he have beef jerky? <laughs> he definitely buys the, the beef. He has he said before that beef. he buys he buys like good quality. Like that he prides himself in buying good quality, not the cheap stuff. Like the other kind of gas station brands are gonna get, you know, all the it's pretty much like a hot dog of beef jerky where he, he wants premium cuts. So I bring it up and we are we are tying this in strategically because I figured, you know, there was a snack for the MLB and and you're saying you love jerky. But Double G Craft Jerky, you asked how many they produce. Well, I'll tell you this. Because you are a guest on the Nick and Matt show, automatically you are going to get sent it. You just have to literally go on Instagram, Double G Craft Jerky, just say, hey, I'm Dylan Cease. And they know you're on our show. And they're going to send you sample packs of all this jerky, every flavor you want. So that's part of you being on the show, number one. Number two, I agree, it is fantastic jerky. And let me just say this. They're doing great things for the sport, number one. They are supporting children's foundations. Every purchase of the jerky goes to a children's foundation. That's both if you purchase Paul McBeth's, a portion goes to his foundation, and the, the non-Paul McBeth branded ones also go to Garrett Gerthy's Children's Foundation. They have these flavors. Listen, which one do you think would be your favorite, Dylan? They have the McBeast yeah. barbecue, so it's like a barbecue flavor, but really, really good. Uh, yeah. Original... They have one called Hot Boom Sauce, which if you like spicy, that's right up your alley. Like, it's actually spicy. Teriyaki, Smashed Cracked Pepper, Garlic Lover's Dream. Uh, and then they have one called Paul's Max Weight. This is a larger bag, Paul's version there. And then Nate Sexton's Sweet and Spicy. Recently, Sweet and Spicy, like, I don't know, think like a Sweet and Spicy Chili Sauce. All of those flavors, does one stand out to you? I'd probably have to go with original or teriyaki. Uh, I'm not too, I'm not too into the spices. Okay. It, all I have to say is it is my favorite. And they reached out to us because they're sponsoring the show. And they said, Hey, you, have you run out of bags recently? And I was like, no, but maybe I should say yes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm like, maybe we should have said yes to that. Actually. I got to hit, I'm going to hit double G and find out. I love anything sort of entrepreneur or, or, or business related. So now I got to find out, you know, like what are, what are the numbers on this thing? What do, how, how is this whole thing going now? <laughs> how do I get actually, involved? Yeah. So I actually just texted their um, business manager who works with Garrett to help with the success there. And we'll see if he responds before you go. Um, ben, throw yourself up real quick. Ben's eating a bite of, <laughs> look at that. <laughs> It's so good. He's just look at his green screen. Looks like it's too. Great consistency. Yeah, must must be nice to not have to talk during the camera and get your camera shown on you and everything. Just off screen, just chewing away on beef jerky. 
Must be nice. So, and I'm going to wrap this up. Evan said, this makes every other jerky taste like gas station jerky. And it's so true. Like, I'm, I'm ruined forever. You can do a subscription model within the whole nine yards. Thank you, Double G. Oh, use the code Nick and Matt. You'll get a small gift with your order. So there you go. All right. Um, I got to ask you guys real quick. Yeah. What, how do you think or how popular do you think if I were to get some land, have Paul design a course, and then do a winner-take-all big money tournament on this course, how excited and how popular do you think that would be in the disc golf world? All right, if you set it to the top pros only, it would yes. sell out within the first 10 seconds of it being available to sign up for. Top and three. then, and, and yeah, whatever. Brand new course, and I would, it beautiful. Hey, Paul, make this thing incredible. Top, I don't know, how many people do you think we need to be invited to it? Oh. Are you well, talking players-wise? Players-wise. Oh, I would do, I, I mean... I don't know if it needs to be limited. Wait, see. I would, I would do, I would honestly do the top 16. I mean, look at what we just said at Vegas. We had two of the top 16 best players in the world competing in a playoff for the win for it with the majority of the other top 10 to top 20 players also in contention slash, you know, in that top 10, 20 mark. So you can honestly do it. The top 20 best players in the world. And I think personally that would get an insane amount of views and sponsorships to it. <laughs> what kind just of money are we talking especially about? It's a winner take all. What kind of money big, are we talking about, Dylan? What'd you say? What kind of money are we talking about? I'm talking like, I'm talking 250, $300,000. Oh, snap. Like, okay. Uh, Damn it. Go. I got to start practicing. It will be in this. You were asking your reaction to that. I think it would yeah. be absolute. I don't want to say chaos in a bad way. It'd be chaos in a good way because the sport has never seen anything. I mean, you saw last year at the all-star finale, it was record breaking, giving away $30,000 to the winner. So, that's that's what it, it kind of blows my mind with with i think like the potential in disc golf now like with as much as it's growing i'm, I'm surprised there hasn't been someone to step in or like a big company to step in and do something like that where where you could easily sort of create like a marquee tournament like that or or something like viral on on youtube um yeah but i'm surprised it hasn't been now I say it probably it'll be it'll get done before I can put one no. together. Yeah, I was gonna say I'm over here. Like, who, who, what connections do I have with big time people? Todd Not Rainwater, many, but, uh, the you, owner. Yeah. What do you What do you think is holding back disc golf from getting that outside sponsorship coming in? Like, let's say Adidas. We we're talking yeah. about them earlier. Adidas, like, you know, what? I want to do a winner take all tournament, three hundred thousand dollars at first place. Like, what do you think is the reason Adidas is not participating heavily in the disc golf sport yet? That's a good question. I'll, I'll, I can dig into that. I mean, uh, I'm, I'm not sure, uh, you know, I mean, there's with Paul signing his $10 million deal, like that shows that there's money in the sport. Um, I, there's I, money in the I sport for one player. <laughs> there's money in the sport for at least one, well, two for players at least now. one, but now, but two now players. Ricky, but now Ricky, that's a good second move. Um, I was just thinking through that during LVC today while I was watching, I said, this needs to be the year that all of this gets capitalized on, meaning what happened last year with the boom and the explosion. Someone yeah. puts in a big, large chunk like that. I feel like it capitalizes because you got some momentum. Something big like that happens. Dylan comes in. The sport changes. Next thing you know, he's the face. He's the steady Ed. It's the steady Dylan Cease of disc golf now. <laughs> yeah, I'm telling you, if I, was, if I was three years deeper in my career, this course would be this course would be up and running right now, and we would be talking about all right, end of the year we're putting this thing together. 
Yeah, so, so it's um, three years in 2025. On. That's what we have to look forward to. Man, hopefully, dude, as soon as as soon as I have a little bit of spare change where I can do this, I'm doing that in a heartbeat. It's too <laughs> it's too good of an opportunity. It really is. So Dylan, I will say this. I was playing a doubles tournament yesterday. Unprompted, the guy says, Have you heard what Dylan C said on Nate Sexton's podcast about doing a winner takes all tournament? So if that's any merit to you, randomly unprompted. A disc golfer That's just cool. said that to me, so I think it'd be popular. Good, Good. we gotta start. We gotta start building up the hype and uh, document the whole process. I'm thinking, you know, YouTube everything, buying the land, uh, having Paul design it, kind of like doing all the little ins and outs of how to put it together, the merchandise, all that. So, yeah, I'm hoping uh, now all we need is uh, just a little bit of the little bit of money to put it together. Are you actively looking for land at the moment? I did this off season for fun. I went up to Asheville, North Carolina, um, and I sort of go periodically on on Zillow or Landwatch and and look. So I want it to be within thirty minutes of of a major city. So um, I don't know. You know, there's there's a lot of cool creative things you can do with it. Um, I've talked to my agent about like NFT stuff with it, um, mm. and yeah. So it, it's very much just in the ether right now and uh yeah you know hopefully hopefully we can make it happen um i don't know maybe if it when the time gets closer start like fundraising with t-shirts or or something like that to see if we can start uh making it happen so it, it would definitely be something that i would want like a lot of participation just from the disc golf community in general to be a part of so yeah no doubt we're talking money in the sport and i know this is going to sound like a drop in the bucket but there was some significant news this past week i don't know if you've heard it don't know how many people have because you had to go into the article posted on the disc golf pro tour but jomez just uh received the the rights to film the lead card coverage for this year and next year at all disc golf pro tour events which is now the the pro tour for the pdga as well and they had to pay they had to pay this is the first time it has ever been announced publicly any numbers here jomez had to pay five hundred thousand dollars to film disc golf the, what's your reaction to that, Dylan? I think that's a great deal for Jomez, to be honest. Mm. I mean, how many? I have to go back and look at their videos, but I mean, if they're getting, if they're getting a couple hundred thousand to a million views a video, um, I'm sure that pays for itself. I'm sure that pays for itself pretty quickly. So, um, yeah, to me, that's that's. I don't know. I, I feel like disc golf has has a lot of upside. So. Um, I'd love, I wish I could see the financials and see like the, the, the inner runnings of how all of that works. Um, but yeah, my gut instinct, is it 500 K every year or 500 K for both years? It's two years, two year agreement. Yeah. 250 a year for the next two years. I mean, like how much, how much money was James Conrad's, um, most legendary shot in disc golf? worth like if you have one of those moments on jomez it it to me it's it's probably you know it's probably a very good deal for them yeah i'm happy to hear it from your perspective um evan or nick do you have any thoughts on that real quick i'm just excited that yeah because for years and years i mean i'm pretty sure the pro tour was paying film crews to come film and so whoever kind of you know let's say charge the least or charge maybe the most kind of like, let's say Jomez for every round had to charge 
$2,000 to go out and film it. Maybe it's more, maybe it's less. I don't know the exact numbers of it. But now the fact that the film crews are coming in and filming, or excuse me, and paying yeah. to actually film the lead card, I think is pretty awesome. I mean, every other sport in the world, I feel like, is in that similar boat to where we're, we're very spoiled when it comes to Jomez, Gatekeeper, GK Pro, because we've learned the behinds of scenes of all of them. Like, you know, Jonathan Jomez started up Jomez back in 2012. You know, Jerry was one of the guys on it. Joey Tamale is now a cameraman on it. Follow Flight Mike. Like, you know all these people. I like watching the NBA, and I couldn't tell you a single cameraman who's filming any sort of NBA game. I can't even tell you the broad. Oh, I know the broadcasters. One of them is Brian Scalabrini right now. But other than that, I don't really pay attention to who's filming it kind of thing right and so and there's no favorite there's okay. no favorite media in mlb right like there's not like oh no. we want cbs <laughs> that's the it's thing like if you know it, if tnt has character you know it's yeah. got like that it's got that you can become a legend sort of and obviously you can do that in any sport but but disc golf i feel like there's just a, a lot of opportunity to to sort of put yourself in that category if you can uh you know make it to the top and do something cool I agree. In all different ways too. I mean, players are players are turning into commentators. People who used to do post round commentators are now live commentators. Elaine King, five time world champion, arguably one of the greatest women players ever ever, is now a female FPO commentator. So I mean, I got crazy avenues. How many players in disc golf right now do you think make fifty thousand dollars a year off of discs? Off of wait, off of disc sales or playing disc like sport? Disc sales. <laughs> wow i don't think there's very many if i had to say i'm gonna put it in like the low like in the tens or less off of disc sales you think so the players no the I would, players i would say more than I, that i think it's higher than that Fifty thousand yeah. off of disc how many would you say evan well are you saying like specifically like that's all they get from their sponsor or like total money they get from their sponsor, I think there's a lot more than ten. That oh yes, no, no, no. I'm, I'm talking disc I'm sale, disc, disc royalties, yeah. and um, so it doesn't count bonuses or anything else right. they get from their manager. Just literally, the just, sale of literally the just a Captain Raptor sells. Paul Ulamary makes yeah. X amount of dollars. Yeah. How many discs does he have to sell to get up to fifty thousand? Kind of thing. I mean, I think there's more than ten. Okay, that's interesting. I mean, that's, now you're getting into now you're getting to that passive income from the game. That's really cool. Yeah. Like. This guy can go out and not even and and not win the tournament, but yeah, if he puts on a good showing and he's got a good brand, he's making he's making a good enough living to keep pursuing it. And I think that's great for the game of disc golf because that's going to bring in that's going to bring in a lot more athletes and a lot more talent. Yeah, I don't want to rephrase my answer because I still feel pretty strongly about it. But I would say if we were encapsulating, you said the passive income, I think there are more players receiving a passive income from disc golf than 10. I That's way higher number. Um, so they don't have to perform as well. Um, but just disc sales only, I'm not going to go that high. But But I see your point and I appreciate that perspective. I like that question too. In fact, Dylan, the favorite, most favorite thing I like about all the podcasts I've listened to you with you on it is that you are engaged to ask questions and try to receive insight. I love that. Oh, I appreciate it. Yeah, it's, uh, I guess just, uh, especially with disc golf, man, I mean, there's a lot of, a lot of interesting things going on behind the scenes. So I think, uh, probably, probably seeing a lot of, how the behind the scenes of, of baseball and how all this stuff works, it kind of gives me some, some good insight into ask questions about what you guys got going on. Well, we're doing this every week, so we'll have you on as a special gotta, guest whenever you want. Yeah. What do you got? I have kind of an 
I have kind of an off-topic question, but the MLB is in a lockout right now. Yeah. Do they have any time frame of when that is kind of? And I'm not followed up on it at all. <laughs> but is there like, is it nearing? Is it far away? Because I, I have a follow-up. So the, there's been negotiations happening for a while. So basically, what MLB did is they sort of backed us into a corner by waiting until basically spring training is supposed to start to make their first offer. Um, so there's basically like that kind of that cat and mouse game going on where well, they tend to be the cat the whole time, but uh, they're sort of kind of backing us into a corner and, and there's there's just a lot of fighting going on over like some of the core economic principles of, of the game. So it's one of those things where it could, you know, they could break tomorrow that there's been a deal or it could be, it could be weeks from now. So it truly is, it, it, it's really the unknown. Um, and we've been, you know, there's, I, I follow as much of it as I can every day, but you know, a lot of it's just kind of, uh, you got to sit and wait and, and see what, what's going to happen with it. Yeah. I, my follow-up to it is because in April, the weekend of like the 20th or the 24th or something like that is when the big major, the Champions Cup, goes to Georgia in Appling. So I didn't know if that's something that you're potentially maybe going to try to get a day to go spectate, go hang out with some people. I didn't know like kind of what your schedule is. Is that the one where the it's the Hall of Fame course? Yeah, 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 W.R. Jackson. I went to that. A couple years ago with my brother, we we drove down there and got a hotel. And uh, I actually, I remember I remember talking to Joe Mez a little bit. This was kind of, I think this was a little bit before disc golf really exploded. Um, yeah, I remember going there and it was, I remember watching Eagle and a couple guys. And it was kind of like, they, they weren't like, obviously they were well known in the game back then. But it wasn't like the big, you know, they weren't the big deals that they are now, I think. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it, if the season hasn't started and I'm still here, which would be kind of, which would be tragic. I'll go drown my sorrow and, uh, down there and watch some disc golf. Uh, I'm, I'm hoping to be out in Arizona for the Memorial. I'm supposed to be, uh, doing. So I, I teamed up, you know, with Bob, um, and we, we made a disc for me. I think, I think only 226 of them to commemorate how many strikeouts I had last year. So I'm supposed to go there and, uh, supposed to go there and be sort of releasing that disc and showcasing that disc a little bit. But now with everything happening, I, I, I don't know when exactly I'm going to be out there. Gotcha. 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 All right. Now, when you, if you, you know, you said you went down to the Hall of Fame Classic a few years ago. When you go out in public, do you get recognized a decent amount? <laughs> Not really. Um, I've probably been recognized in a disc golf course. <laughs> Um, just as much as like in Chicago, but it's, it's also tough because it's during, been during COVID. So half the time it's like, you know, that's a good point. Anything. So yeah. like two weeks ago in my local Whole Foods and when I was checking out, this guy came up to me, he's like, Hey man, are you Dylan Cease? I was like, yeah. And he's like, man, I played disc golf. Uh, I played disc golf on my local college team, blah, blah, blah. And I, I texted Paul's like, man, I just got recognized for disc golf, not even for baseball. How funny is that? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome! I wouldn't. That's what I love about disc golf, man. I, I, I really do. I want to build a brand in disc golf and do some legendary things. Uh, and obviously, it won't be for my play, but I want to do. I want to do some really cool things in disc golf. That's so cool. It's like it's a it's a side hobby for you. Like you enjoy it. Yeah. It gets you out of baseball, which is your job as well. That's really cool. Um, it's a lot of room for creativity. You know, like mm-hmm. like to me, it, it's just kind of like the 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 possibilities are wide open and obviously the more money you have 
the more cool things you can make happen. So I'm definitely, if I can, if I can get that extra capital, I'm telling you, man, I'm going to make some cool things happen with disc golf. Very, very yeah. cool. Good hey, if you're ever up in Maple Hill area again, I'm just saying, I know Let's everyone hits you up, but hit us up. I'll, I'll come out. We'll do some fun things out there at Maple Hill. Um, Let's do it. We took up a lot more of your time than we said we would, but we just got into conversation. I hope that's okay. And we're going to, yeah, we're going to let you go. We really appreciate it. Um, last week was just the teaser for everybody that you were coming. So we hopefully bust, bustled up this audience and they're excited. The chat was going pretty good tonight. Um, hey, this is kind of weird because disc golf isn't your thing, but like any shout outs you want to do? I mean, you mentioned Discraft, but anything you want to do to try to gain any more sponsors? <laughs> Man, sponsors. Jerky. You're going to get the jerky. First off, you got to give a shout out to, to Bob from Discraft. Uh, Bob hooks me up with some of the coolest stuff. I, I got to show you guys my wall real do quick. Do it. Hang on. Do it. Oh, He's roving. Yeah. Put him on full screen, Ben. There we go. It's the roving camera. I got to show you what I got set up. Um, I'm a disc, disc golf nerd. I'm not going to lie, guys. Wonderful. All right. So my dad built this wall. Whoa. Got a nice... Okay. Nice I saw a four-time buzz. Describe this just a little bit for our listening audience. Like it's a wall with almost like frames, but they're recessed into a wall. This is beautiful. Yeah, this is this is I'd venture to say this might be the most elegant disc golf wall out there. And now I know that someone's probably gonna direct message me on Instagram and show me their like castle wall, or whatever. But uh, like I got It'll just be some cool discs I've gotten, like from the um, die videos I do with Paul. We got mm. like the Goat Annex. Um, oh, wow, that one looks sweet. We got the Hades from that. Uh, let me see what else. Some cool stuff. Paul sent me some of that. Sent me that Luna. He sent me. I think that's like a Zeus prototype, maybe that he signed. Yep. Oh, yep. I got a, a James Conrad. Sorry, I'm trying to figure out how to get this camera. Signed James Conrad, uh, disc, that red one. Some discs of me. Uh, what else? What else? You got Sexton Firebirds in there, don't you? You got one or two, no? Uh, oh, yeah. I got some Sexton Firebirds, team stamp <laughs> stuff. My first ace. Oh. My first ace disc. Uh, yeah, so I'm a big... I'm a big disc guy. I, I okay. like collecting discs. Hold, hold on here. We have we don't usually do it this way, but I'm going to put Evan and Nick and Ben on the spot. This is one question game. How many aces? Don't answer, Dylan. How many aces does Dylan have? Judge that disc golfer, Dylan. See style. Uh, I'm going to go first. He said that was his first, but does that mean like his only? I'm going to say he has, and I'm going first here. It's not quite fair, but I'm going to say he has uh, three. Nick, you're up. Damn it. I was going to say three. Two. Evan. Now let me ask you. Okay. Uh, okay. I'm going. I'm going big. Well, actually, he's, he's been like... playing since 2017. Oh, I yeah, know. I will put this out there. I only get to play for like, I only get to play for maybe two months a year. That's a good point. <laughs> but he's really lucky when he gets so those two months. So in grand total, he's been playing about a year. Okay. Right. <laughs> I'm a... gonna wing it here, Dylan. Your number's 34, right? Whoa. 84. 80. 84. 84. Oh, okay. Well, let's go that, eight, man. Then. I was gonna... Yeah. Eight. <laughs> I'm going to go eight, just the singular eight, just the, just the first number. All right, Ben, assistant producer here. What do you got? Go with... Oh, hold on. Say that again. I'm going to have to go with two aces. There you go. <laughs> two, that was what? Ah, oh, man, it's going to be two, isn't it? So, all right, Dylan, it, what's the answer? 
right. So <laughs> off of my first shot, I have one ace in my career. This this year, I was playing Little Mulberry up in, um, I think it's Tequila, Georgia. Beautiful course. Uh, my second shot, I was playing my brother, and on my second shot, I was able to get an ace. So two kind of, but I think one technically. Right, I've got dude. probably <clears throat> I've got probably five or six either spit outs or very near aces. Okay. I, I we were just about to let Dylan go, but I can't. We have to do another one. Dylan, don't answer this question. Okay. We're judging you as a disc golfer. Everyone, I hope you've done your research. Dylan, don't answer, but I'm gonna ask it out loud. How far can you throw a disc? All right, Nick, you're up. What's he gonna say? Well, wait, wait, wait. Write down your answer. Can you like or just pick an answer in your head and don't change it? Is that fair? Uh, for Dylan, just pick an answer in your head what it would be and do not change it because Nick's going to guess out loud. All right, go ahead, Nick. What oh, is we're guessing out loud? Yeah, what's he going to say? 380. All right, I'm going, if he's going to answer that he can throw it 410. You're up, Evan. Ooh, uh, I was going to say 384, but now I can't, Nick. I'm, <laughs> I'm going to go high, though. I'm going to say... Uh, 445. All right, Ben, what do you think oh. he's going to say? Uh, I was going to go with this the whole time. So, sorry, Evan, 450. <laughs> the price is right. All right, what's your answer, Dylan? Man, I top out I top out at about 400, but realistically, I'm probably like 350 to 400. Hey. So he said 350, 400 earlier, so I was trying to smack it in the middle. I'll be right back. Don't, don't let Dylan go. Give me... Give me two minutes. Don't let Dylan go okay. yet. Go yet. Well, I got to grab something. I'm going to ask him the tattoo question. Okay. He knows the tattoo question. And well, this will give him time to come back. The question is, Dylan, first of all, do you have any tattoos? No. Okay. No tattoos. But let's say you were to get your first tattoo ever, and it had to be a disc golf tattoo. Okay. You're going to have the these options. You either get a singular basket, just like the plain simple is a basket, wherever you yeah. want on your body. That's fine. <laughs> and then a, a doink putt basket. So you see somebody putting and the putter hits the front of the basket. That's your tattoo. Um, okay. Or you could have a Tasmanian devil, three hundred, like a 360 drive. Okay. Like just really cool cartoony. Or you could have a phrase like grip it and rip it or like death putt, like a disc golf phrase. Uh, think to yourself what you would choose out of those four options. And I'm going to start with Ben, uh, assistant producer, Ben, you have an answer, Dylan, in your head. Is it, can I make up the phrase or does it have you to be You could, no, well you document? could, okay, this is a, this is everybody, this is a little bit of a hint. He might not go this direction, but yes, you could make up the phrase, but now we're all going to choose that you're choosing a phrase. So, but, but that's okay. You could, you can make up the phrase. All right. Uh, Dylan's, let us know when you got one. Okay. I'm thinking, I'm thinking. <laughs> this pressure. You really got to get this tattoo. No. <laughs> We don't have yeah, like Jeopardy music. I said that with Paul back in the first video I shot with oh, him. Don't say it. Don't say it. Okay, okay. Okay. He's got, you have it lined up in your head? No. You know what? I'm going to get the basket. I'll get the doink. <laughs> <laughs> okay. He's getting the doink basket. That's what I would have chose. No, I wouldn't have chose that. I probably would have chose like a phrase. <laughs> That's it. That's actually what I was going to choose was the doink basket. Okay. I'll do, I'll tell you what, if I come up with a phrase... If I can move a phrase and I get it, uh, I'll send you guys. I'll send you guys a link to it. Perfect. We'll have you back on for the big reveal. Okay. Perfect. 
We've kept you long enough, Nick. You said don't let him go. I'm going to let you get the closing words with Dylan, and then we'll send him on his way. I have to shameless plug at the end of this because he's got a pretty awesome disc collection, and my shameless plug is I just got my 2022 tour fundraiser discs from Discraft. I only got 100 of them. You know, I didn't have 226 strikeouts last year, so I had zero strikeouts actually last year. I probably struck out a lot last year when I did a filming baseball video with Paul, but this is one of them. It's a buzz with my Nick Carl logo on it. And so your look. Yeah, I got five different molds. I've got buzzes, undertakers, nukes, zones, and forces. And so I would love to send you one. And maybe it will make an appearance on your wall for the next time. So hit me up with your address after the show. Shoot me over a text and uh, I'll send one out to you. I appreciate it. And then you can bag it if you want. I mean, I'm, I'm bagging all mine. I grabbed eight for myself, and then the rest of them, a couple of buddies have already snagged some, and then the rest of them are so you've going got, out to the world you've in got a couple like weeks. 50 left to sell. I, my goal was to put 60. I'm, I'm building up a website. I'm starting up you know, some things in disc golf that are not yet to be announced, but uh, one of them <laughs> is I'm building myself a website that's going to have my hats, my shirts, and all that jazz, and uh, those are going to go on. I'm hoping there's at least 60 or 70 of them that go on the website. It's kind of my ideal goal. Okay. Being sold at $1,000 a pop, $50,000 passive income. There you go. I wish. That's what, hey, man, that's what it's all about. <laughs> hey, dude, I really appreciate your time so much. Like, we went, you went way over and above and beyond, and you're very extremely cool, chill. We thank you very I much. Love look at that. Oh, look at that one. Man. All right. Do you, do you have a favorite? Do you have a favorite color? No, I got I, the claw. The, the the claw buzzes are definitely my favorite disc, though. I got one in the bag right now that I think it's a five time. Uh, I I think those discs are so clean. I've been telling Bob. I've been telling Bob they gotta release. They have to release like a a different version that's pretty much a different version that's always shout out shouting out the claw in uh, you know maybe like once every every other year or something like that. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no doubt. Paul's just got to keep winning the world championships. And he'll keep coming out with more claws. So, if anything, the ball's in Paul, Paul's court. So, yeah. Paul McBeth, if you're listening right now, please win worlds this year. We need more claws. Yes, we're rooting for you. All right, Dylan. We're going to let you go. Again, thank you very, right. very much. We'll uh, stay in touch. Maybe things will come up down the road here where we can have you back on. So, awesome. Yeah, thanks for having me. All right, thanks, Dylan. Thank have you, a great you, evening. All right, everybody, that was Dylan Cease. Uh, we've, we said hi enough, Chicago White Sox, MLB pitcher. Uh, just to put it out there, Evan, Nick, Ben, chime in. Like, I'm just going to say this, and maybe I'm just feeling a different thing here. He didn't seem like, he didn't come off as like a celebrity professional athlete. He seemed like a normal, regular disc golf dude. Is that the same feeling you had, Evan? Well, yeah, that's all he gets recognized for. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, no, he was super, he was... <laughs> Yeah, I'm ripping on him. No, he was super cool. I, I, I thought the same thing. <laughs> really down to earth kind of guy. Like he he's gonna make a lot of money in baseball. Like like knock on wood, cross our fingers. Like everything goes well with the the whole lockout situation with baseball. And I think he's in his last year of arbitration, which is kind of a confusing baseball term. Uh, but he's gonna make a quite a chunk of money if he just you know keeps it up and stays solid. So. So I didn't, I didn't want to ask him this because um, I, I kind of <laughs> yes, felt rude did. with it, but it's funny because I, it, but it's funny because I ask every single disc golfer, but like we were talking, we're talking about contracts all the time. And like uh, baseball players, contracts are usually out in the public. Am I correct? 
when it yeah. comes to say that? Like, could I look up Dylan's contract yes. and say, oh, this is what he's making per year? Oh, okay. I was going to, my question to him was going to be like, what do you think about disc golf finally doing that? And why do you think for so long it's been kind of NDA'd on people's contracts? You know what I mean? Uh, but obviously he's not here. So <laughs> yeah, he, he probably could have gone into the whole uh, complicatedness of the, the owners versus the players. Uh, yeah. Owners always love uh, players not knowing what they're worth uh, and keeping their contracts low. That's the way they get more money. I don't think disc golf says cutthroat, but it's also, you know, more of a risk factor. Uh, obviously they don't want players to share what they make. Cause everyone's going to get more that way. <clears throat> I'm really hoping that, What's funny is actually after the show that we did with Andrew Zimmer, he was talking about how he loves baseball and loves the Yankees, hates the Red Sox. But after the show, <laughs> him and I talked for a little bit, actually. And he was like, yo, when I'm up in Boston, like we should all try to get together maybe go to a baseball game. I'll show you out to a nice restaurant. And I was like, dang, Andrew Zimmer potentially wants to go like catch a baseball game. I'm really hoping that when the season gets going for baseball <clears throat> and Dylan is playing the Red Sox at one point, I don't know how often that happens because I'm very immature <laughs> when it comes to the MLB now. We all come but, together. Like, dude, imagine. Dude, if he's pitching, I 100% would fly up to Massachusetts for two days, literally just go watch him pitch. I think that would be the sickest thing, actually. So uh, my phone, Nick, you and me are on the same page. My phone reminded me for the past couple of weeks. It said, hey, reach out to Andrew Zimmer. And he said he wanted to get around with you at Maple Hill. And I'm like, yeah. but, but with the baseball exactly. lockout right now, I know he's not coming out to Fenway. Yeah. So a lot of things yeah. on hold, but we'll get we'll get back to he's that. He's doing big things. He's going on like hot wings, talking about disc golf on hot <laughs> wings and Dude, so, he, he was such a nice guy. Okay. All, all of the outside celebrities that we've had join our show so far, which I think is now two, have been awesome. They've been great people. Yes. And in fact, Dylan Cease, everybody, yeah. just followed the Nick and Matt show. So uh, if you hey, haven't done that, go ahead and do it yourself. It, we're really excited to have him be a part of what we're doing here and just the support. So here's what I want to say. Don't forget to like the video right now, actually. Yeah, actually, it only like takes the a few video seconds, right now. Just hit that thumbs up button. Let me just see. How many likes we have now? Yes, extremely low right now. So if, please just hit it. You're sitting there. Just hit it. Okay, here's what we have to do before we close out because we taught, it's our title says Las Vegas Challenge. Like what yeah, happened? Yeah, we got to freaking talk about some Vegas. So let me do this for you and then we can talk about the storyline that stands out to you the most. There's a lot here. But let me start out with FPO and give you a rundown of at least the top five and then maybe some notables that stand out to the rest of you. So an FPO... I'm not saying spoiler alert the rest of the season, just to, just so everyone knows, I'm not saying it. And that was my friendly way to do it this time. <laughs> Katrina Allen takes it down, okay? Over Paige Pierce, Paige Pierce at the very end, throws OB on the last hole, uh, but with like a good shot, but like ended not good. Uh, Kristen Tatar, third place, uh, only five back from Katrina, four back from Paige. Haley King ekes out fourth, ekes out because there's a storyline there how she started and fifth going to Evelina Salomon, okay? And I'm going to give you the bonus one here. Ella Hansen, sixth place, placing over Missy Gannon um, and Rebecca Cox and Jessica Weiss and Lisa Fakus, like Ella Hansen starting out pretty well for herself in sixth place. FPO, what stands out to you guys about storylines? Anything? Evan, you were there. Anything stand out to you? Uh, yeah, it was quite a battle between uh, Paige and Katrina. Uh, you know, I, I thought it was dead set going to a playoff. Unfortunately, Paige went out of bounds, but that was just what a classic matchup. And I'll, I'll drop a stat. They might have said it on the broadcast. I'm not 100% sure. But that was only the fifth time that Paige and Katrina uh, were tied going to the final round of an elite event, which 
we saw them. We're like, it's got to be way higher than that. But then you think five times is still a lot. Like these two women battle each other all the time. It was exciting to watch. It went up and down. You thought Katrina missed a few punts, putts. You thought Paige made a few good drives. You thought it was going to switch. Then Katrina gets it back, and then Paige gets it back, and then Katrina gets the uh, the final uh, the win of that whole eighteen. And it was just super exciting finish. Yeah. On my side of things, I thought FBO was an absolute blast to watch. Unfortunately, I didn't get to watch the end of the final round today. I had some stuff going on that I needed to attend to. But um, Katrina, Page Battle was absolutely incredible. They both battled last year at this event. They actually blew everyone else out of the water. And I was really excited that this year there were so many more players within that final round or even the second and third round that were just in contention to do well. But Chris and Tatar coming over and kind of representing the overseas crew the best out of everyone evelina salonen though played well um i was actually kind of surprised at her game now that i've actually been able to watch her throw a decent amount of holes um her putt is a little bit different than i thought it would be she really likes overstable discs and a lot of times they're kind of fading out a little bit too early i don't know if that was nerves i don't know if it was the vegas air that maybe stables them up more than european air but um i think one of the biggest things that we can take away is Henna Blumroos did not make the cut, and I'm not saying that's going to be how her whole year goes. I think this is literally the first tournament in a while that they've come over. There's tons of pressure on them, especially when you're one of the highest rated females in the world. Um, I'm super excited for them to go out and play as many events as they can over here in the U.S. And then one, you know, I'm always – I. Kona and I have a great friendship. I'm always rooting for Kona. Kona. She unfortunately did not make the cut. And learning new discs, getting really involved in the season, and then going out and playing Pro Tour events, I think, can be extremely hard. So, same thing with her, though. But Haley King, fourth place, killing it. I thought that was awesome from her. Ton of ton of great stuff going on, honestly. It was awesome. It was very fun to watch. Yeah, Hannah missed it by, like, one stroke, the cut. And I agree. I, I filmed her. I actually yeah. got to film her out at Las Vegas two years ago. She was fine. She was on a lead card. So, like, she'll she'll do well uh, or can do well. Um, let's jump over real quick to MPO. There's so much more to talk about, and I think we're going to have to roll it into next week as well. But when we go over to MPO, I haven't seen – actually, I have. Last year, there was a lot of good stuff with, like, Kyle Klein and Andrew Marweed and, at Idlewild. Mm-hmm. I feel like this had like similar feelings to that with Grip Gibson and um, Gannon Burr, Birdie Burr, <laughs> uh, going into a playoff and ended up finishing on the fourth hole. Is that right, Evan? Four holes? Yep. And the hole, just yeah. to put it in perspective for people of how that played out and Gibson took it down, was the same hole that you've seen Garrett Gerthy ace or Albatross, the one that's surrounded by bunkers and a, a putting green early. Uh, Gannon went for it and seemingly hung it out a little too wide, put it in the bunker. Gibson laid up his drive more or less tapping in an easy three. And, uh, Gannon had his fall out, uh, hit the chains and it fell out. Um, or, or the, the rim. Hit the band. Yeah. The band. (laughs) So the playoff ended on the fourth hole, but extremely exciting. Let me, I'll give you guys a chance to react here, but third place coming in strong with the final round was Calvin Heimberg. Um, still not winning an event though. Like not the way you would expect. He's the best player to not win regularly. Like it's incredible. Luke Humphrey's blowing everybody's mind with today's round 13 down. It was awesome. Yeah. 
But I think, was it because he was playing with Kevin Jones? They're buddies, right? Like, he was on the same card. Yeah, they're buddies. They were just going back and forth yeah. with each other. I mean, they both shot 48s, 1071 rated round. It was awesome. I loved seeing Luke on the multiple times that we got to see his shots. I actually played with Luke last year, round three. We had a great time. Super cool dude. Is the host of the GK Pro Skins. Awesome, awesome guy. Okay, and then finally, and I'm going to... Shaved his mustache, though. Kind of upset. <laughs> so, Kevin Jones <laughs> took tied for fourth with Luke Humphreys. That's pretty cool for them. They're buddies. That's cool. Tristan Tanner, surprising. I will talk about him a little bit more here in a minute. Scott Withers, not surprising, but good to see him there because he's stepped out a little bit of the Northwest. Uh, Ricky Wysocki taking seventh. Adam Hammes taking tied for seventh as well. I'm just thinking if you look down the list, Chris Dickerson, 12th. I'm going down farther here. Garrett Gerthy, who's won 16th. Uh, Nate Sexton barely making the cut, and he's someone who's won this event. And there's a lot of names now that didn't perform as well as you might expect, but that's because the competition is getting so much hotter. Evan, you were out there. You watched MPO in person, walked with it. You probably did the same for FPO. Uh, do you have any response to that, or did you freeze up? Oh, he says laptop died. He texted me. Oh, no. <laughs> Dang it. <laughs> we were like, Evan, give us the stats. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I guess I'll, I'll give mine opinion. Yeah, go for it. I, I'm going to say probably the saddest thing that happened this last weekend when it comes in regards of disc golf was Kale Levesca missed the cut, which he had a stupid like 14-year stretch of making cash at every single tournament that he's played. 307 What's events. That? 307, 307 events. events, dude. I've gone like three events in a row that I've made cash. Like it's insane what that, that number is just disgusting. So now Nate, Nate Sexton is so far above everyone. I think when it comes to how long they've been cashing at tournaments, but um, besides for that insane weekend on the MPO side, I loved watching as much as I could. Neither of the players that were in the playoff, we said, we're going to win this tournament. We said they would maybe do well because the course kind of sets up for them a little bit when it comes to the backhand power that they both have. But, dude, Gannon Bird, Drew Gibson clutching up, birdied three of the last four holes. Gannon Bird getting four pars in a row to finish out the tournament. Had a bad OB stroke on the end of it. Ended up saving the par. Go to a playoff. Insane playoff. They went back and forth. Gannon always had to hit the bigger putt. I felt like, oh, Drew on the, Drew on the first hole, I did a bigger putt. But last but thing did. that I'll say about the playoff stuff was – it's funny because Worlds was five rounds. I get that. But it was actually the same score at Worlds and Vegas that went into a playoff at 39 down. But Worlds was five rounds. I just noticed that and thought it was kind of cool. So other notables here as I'm looking through the list and storylines. Again, we're going to break this down next week. Guys, I'm traveling for work this week. That's why we're doing it on Sunday evening. This will be this week's podcast. Like you're not going to get a Monday morning rollout or I mean a Sunday, uh, Tuesday morning rollout like usual. This is it. But here's here's our quick takes on this. Eagle McMahon, I, that was my pick. I said, how could you not pick him? I feel like even knowing his elbow issue, not forehanding, throwing backhand lefty, I saw that. I still felt like it, and he kind of was in contention, right? I mean, lead card final day. Or not lead card final day. Uh, yeah, it was lead card final day. Sorry. Lead card. I watched it. It just wasn't the big storyline. He was falling off. Um that's interesting to see when he knew he was out of it. I say when he knew the last five holes, eight holes, he kind of didn't seem like he had that burning passion to win. Like it just seemed kind of like, all right, I'm here. Let the limelight be on someone else. But I will say yeah. that's, that's Eagle McMahon, a surprise not being there. I felt like, and I'm going to toot my horn just a little bit. You react to it, Nick. 
I had mentioned Anthony Barella at some point in the previous week or two saying like, hey, this kid's got a chance to shine this year. And I know these mm-hmm. events he typically shows up to. He didn't finish strong, but he was there like all the way up till today's round, like with a chance to win it. Yeah. I mean, last year he was in the lead after round one, going from the infinite course, going into round two. And then he, but this year, I mean, he went 1043, 1067, 1040. And then unfortunately went 975 to end the tournament. So that dropped him down actually a lot. Yeah. I would say that probably dropped him down. I mean, shoot, he was probably going top 10. If he just shot a pretty, he would have been top like 10. 53, he would have yeah. been top 10. I mean, so that's just where yeah. he still has that. Like he puts three great rounds. But we see AB's name all the time. We see it. We've seen him on world's coverage before. We've seen him on Beaver state fling coverage, multiple pro tour events. He, is usually somewhat in the mix, especially if it's a course that plays a little bit further. Because, uh, dude, he can freaking bomb. There was one of the holes yesterday that he just threw this amazing Halo Destroyer into where he was almost jump putting for Eagle. I forget what hole it was. I think it was on the back nine right before the big par five at the Innova Factory Store course. And he just mashed it. I'm like, golly, it's sick. It's insane to watch. I love watching. I love watching live disc golf. I will say that I was so excited to finally get back onto the live disc golf. Um, it was great. Great stuff. Yeah. So other storylines, uh, Chris Dickerson, a little, here's the thing. What's the biggest reaction going to be? I think we come into next week and we talk about this, the biggest overreaction. This is what we do in disc golf. We see how an event played out and we say, that's the story that that's that players like year. So like, Chris Dickerson, yeah, oh no, oh no, the new discs, like he's not going to be able to do it. He's messed up. What's wrong with him? And it's kind of like, all right, you guys do that to Paul Macbeth every year. <laughs> like, I mean, yeah. so Kyle Klein, you could do the same thing for Kyle Klein right now. Big signing with Dismania. He comes into this first event and not even top 20, uh, 24th. And in fact, his teammate, Casey White, who would be the underdog in that equation, uh, Looks like he was one stroke back of Kyle. Yeah, twenty sixth. Yeah, one stroke off. Twenty sixth. Yeah. So I mean, that's great. Yep. Um, so there's a lot happening here, but the strong field is the most exciting part. You're going to see big names every week that aren't in the top twenty because this field is getting that strong, right, Nick? I mean, that's how it's mm-hmm. going to be from here on out. It's tough to. I mean, dude, if Calvin was putting better yesterday, he had a very, very off putting day. He would have won it today with how he played that final round. He just missed. Yeah, it was insane. I watched like three circle one putts in a row missed by Calvin, and they all just came out weird. And then today, every single putt that I'm watching Calvin make when they go over to him, he's draining him dead center. So, I mean, Calvin, like you said, he's you know one of the best players in the world that doesn't consistently win at events, but he's someone who is literally in contention more often than not. So I definitely, I'm going to hold true to my statement. I definitely think Calvin gets at least one big, big win this year. And here's the thing, Nick, that's, I actually feel like that's a very safe bet, but, and I do it a little bit facetiously, but I go, he's the best player to not win. Like everyone's going to go Ledstone. I always go, that's an asterisk. Like we don't know actually how it's going to finish out, but like he won, he won a silver series, but I'm not going to count those going forward. Like that's not the, the, the level of Mm -hmm. event I'm talking about. Will he get it? I think it's a safe bet to say yes, but will he? Uh, but here's other notables that didn't make it. Kale LaVisca, that's, we just talked about that a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. If you go down here, interestingly, because we just had him on the show, Corey Ellis didn't make the cut. Uh, this doesn't call him a bad player. This is just notable. Um, if you go down further, Chris Clemens, Greg Barsby not making the cut. I think another interesting storyline, Scott Stokely. We had him on the show. 
And do you remember? Yeah. And I'm not calling him out to be like, oh, bad player. What did he say? Do you remember what his claim was, what this year would hold for him? I mean, he was saying he was going to finish in the top 50% at every single tournament, right? Kind of along the lines of that. That's yes. obviously very, very paraphrased. I'm not quoting him exactly. Yeah. I actually do want to go back to that episode and figure out exactly what he said. And like Matt just said, we are not saying this literally to be like, <laughs> oh my gosh, Scott Scully didn't do it, whatever. It's more of like an accountability thing to where I want to know what he said so that when I go back and look for Scott Stokely, I can see, oh, he finished at minus one this year, had one round at 1024 rated, but had a 988 and a 930 right, uh, 939 rated round. Yeah. So, I mean, we kind of, the, kind of this year we have, you know, last year we had a bit of the Brody tracker and then this year we got more of a Scott Stokely where tracker did Brody finish? because of what he said, uh, 37, maybe would- cut, got paid. Yeah, he was 30. Yeah, 37. The first yep. round. Mm-hmm. I mean, we'd be remiss not to say this. And Ben's over there agreeing. Yeah. Yeah. Did you think he was going to make lead card, Ben? I, after the first day, I was like super stoked for Brody. I was like, wow, he's doing stuff. Some of my friends texted me. But yeah, I did think he was going to hold it, but he did not, unfortunately. Right. So here's other notable names while we're on this track here Emerson Keith didn't make the cut. Um, Jackie Chen, 82nd place. Um, Nate Perkins, Scott Stokely, these are not making the cut. Jacob Cordes, or Curtis, Nick, is Cupcake. incredible ratings. And we know ratings don't mean things, but it's a trend. He was playing really well leading up to this event. Mm-hmm. And then he said he mm-hmm. just couldn't find his game in 85th place. So, yeah. You know Someone's saying goes. in the chat that <laughs> Scott Stokely misses tea time, so it got stroked a little bit. I'm curious yes. if that actually happened. I didn't watch it his is. recap videos or anything like that. It is, but let's go. Let's look. Where did I say Scott Stokely landed? Uh, what place? He finished at oh, 85th. So he's he finished with a minus one total. If we bump him up to minus five, he doesn't make the cut. He's still at 71st place. I think minus I think minus 14 was the cut line because minus 13 oh, is right, everyone below the cut line. So minus 14 was the cut line. But that I mean, doesn't he still had. Yeah, it doesn't move him up to 50% is my point. No, 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 no. So 70, 71st. But here's the thing. Yeah. He actually does some good recap videos. You can go check it out. He's recapping each of his rounds, mm-hmm. and it's actually great to hear his insight. Great, great attitude mm-hmm. towards it. He, he wasn't really, he wasn't upset at anybody. He just made a mistake and missed his tea time. Um, yeah. So a lot of interesting things. Nathan Queen, the winner of the Disc Golf Pro Tour finale, has to withdraw. Uh, what were we looking at earlier? It was a knee issue or something along those lines? Shoulder. Shoulder. Sorry. Knee I shoulder. think Ben said shoulder, right? Yep, shoulder. So there's a lot of storylines that we're going to dig into. This is literally immediately after the event when we're doing this, so we don't have them fully lined out. But Paul Uliberry, 41st. Jordan Castro, 41st. Nate Sexton, 37th. So the Europeans, uh, I know there were some hot takes out there saying Europeans are going to crack the top 10 like regularly or like not miss any top 10s throughout this year. And it looks like to me, you have to go down to Linus Carlson at 17th. Mm-hmm. But Seppo is there. Albert Seppo Tom. 26. So there, there's yep. the potential. No, I think, I think it'd be a great year um, just for all the Europeans coming over. Uh, I think. Cracking that top 10, it's funny. We we look at the Europeans. We look at you know some of the rounds that they're rating out there, the players that they're playing against. I mean, we didn't have Vino at this event. You know, A couple of the big-time players who still aren't out over here yet. 
But um, I mean, good for Linus. Definitely getting, you know, he's 1035 rate, which is pretty insane. Probably averaged just below that for this tournament. But um, I think they all have this big chip on their shoulder. But I think it is going to be tough to crack that top 10. I mean, you have so many consistent and great players in the sport now that it's going to be tough to win. I, we're definitely over the time of one player winning every single tournament. Yeah, and so as we get as we get close here to wrapping up, I don't I do want to elaborate a little bit on the Jomez thing. I'm not gonna I don't have any extra information beyond what the Disc Golf Pro Tour posted, but I reached out to Jonathan Gomez of Jomez. We have been corresponding. In fact, we thought I, I didn't tell Nick this because it wasn't planned out fully, but we thought we were gonna get him on tonight. We actually were trying to line it up, but I think with the playoff, it just pushed it all too far back. And you can actually see Jonathan oh, gotcha. Gomez in the back of the playoff video. I'm like, it's probably not yeah. happening tonight. But things like, are they going to have to go to a pay subscriber model? How much money is Jomez actually making? Was this an easy business decision or like low risk? Or was this like a roll of the dice? Like, I hope we make the money. Uh, or mm -hmm. did the Disc Golf Pro Tour strong arm them by suggesting like, hey, you're not going to have this if you don't pay this money. But then in my mind, I go, well, if they said that to them, who's going to pay that besides Jomez? You know what I mean? Like, it had yep. to be mutually agreed on. It had to be. So we're going to try to get him on to talk about that, um, hoping that we can. Um, my relationship with Jomez goes way back to their first year touring. <laughs> they actually were in this studio basement producing for about two weeks uh, during the swing of the East Coast. So jam mm -hmm. sessions and all that. It was a good time with them. All right, Nick. Um, <clears throat> Memorial coming up next week. Yeah. Pretty awesome event. What's funny is that the top three highest rated players are from overseas. Kristen Tatar, Hannah Bloomrose, and Evelina Salonen are the top three. No Paige, no Cat, no Haley King at that event. Uh, but then you got top three for MPO, Paul McBeth, Adam Hammes, Kyle Klein. Someone in the chat said, who's going to win the McMorial? I thought that was kind of funny. Uh, Paul did win it last year, so I'll be excited to watch some U-Disc live and hopefully hopefully some post-round production on that one. Yeah. I know they're not going to have live out there. but Well, and it is funny and not funny at the same time, Nick, but the very first round of the Disc Golf Pro Tour year, not All-Stars, but like the actual official first round of a tournament, Disc Golf Network was down, like not working. And... Mm -hmm. I'm getting texted by people and I have nothing really to do with it, but like, Hey, is this working for you? And long story short, I punch in like an outage uh, website. Like it will tell you outages on the internet. And one of them was for Vimeo and it was spiking as an outage. And Vimeo is like the host server, if you will, for the disc golf network. And I don't know the full, the full issue and understand all the details there, but like, this is not disc golf networks fault. It is literally the most like coincidental thing that literally can yeah, happen. No, right. And it's like the worst luck ever, because you know, immediately there's a large portion of the audience who's like, see, and they wanted to raise the prices. And it's like, that has nothing to do with the disc golf yeah. network at all. <laughs> like, uh, but yep. they, no, but, I totally but they put it up free, but they put it up free, which was real quick. Yeah, they yeah. did it on which YouTube right huge. away. Yep. Yeah. Yep. I thought that was awesome. I'm going to tell you this and tell the people right now, there's probably going to be at least one more mistake when it comes to the live <laughs> stuff on DGN. But it's so this good. Year. I'm just going to be brutally honest, but it was so fun to actually go back and watch some live disc golf. It was 
absolutely great. Nick, if I have to rate it and I'm being really technical as a producer and I'm trying to find things wrong with it, I will. But here's if I take a seat as a fan and try to just enjoy like that I'm watching live disc golf, the, what they're doing, and I've done some production. I looked at my wife today. I said, what they're doing is actually phenomenal. They're, they're showing you other shots that are happening like around the course at the same time as like the lead cards playing and you're not missing any of the big action. Like you're not missing it. It's just, and it's seamless. They're just doing a really, really good job with it. So shout out to them. And then finally, one other quick story here, Nick, because I just have these notes I'm running through. Natalie Ryan, hot topic right now in the FPO. But Natalie Ryan was in a place on the lead card performing really well. There's a lot of debate around that. And I just want to say from my perspective, right now, if the, if the PDGA allows for this to happen, they're working on it. We see the emails as membership. They're trying to understand and figure out what the most fair way to deal with the sport is. And I support the PDGA to figure that out. But that aside, Natalie Ryan's shooting so well. and that's phenomenal for her come out event for this year and then hurts herself and isn't able to perform and has to drop. It was out. like a ham hamstring issue. When I was, when I was watching live coverage, I think they said it was something to do with her hamstring, maybe retweaked something that happened a while ago. I'm not unfortunate. Unfortunate. This is for any of the players that had to drop out with injuries. Like, uh, I even have a friend local here, wasn't playing in, oh, I don't think he's playing pro open. I think he's doing masters or something, master pro open. Uh, you know, Bob, Bob Polchuk, yeah. yeah. He's like, I've gone like almost 300 events without ever having a DNF. This is my first. Injuries just stink. But I wanted to point that out mm -hmm. because Natalie Ryan had a chance. Had a chance. There was some falter there, but I think it could have been partly due to the injury. Had a chance to show off. And um, that it's, it's exciting to see other competition. Again, there's other mm -hmm. topics at hand there. And I'm not going to elaborate on that right now. That's not my strength or my place right now. Uh, when it makes sense, maybe we will. Um, but Nick, we came all the way to the end here. We talked a lot, or I did. <laughs> you had a lot going on today. Uh, Disc Golf had a lot going yeah. on today. And uh, we made it to this point in the show. Ben, did we miss anything? I think you got it. I, I, I didn't think you guys would mention the Kale thing, but yeah, you guys. You guys are on top of your game. There you go. <sighs> Stat Mando oh, texted Kale, me. Kale's a homie. Yeah. Love Kale Levesco. He's the man. Definitely got to shout him out any chance. But yeah. uh, no, nah, hey, everybody, appreciate you coming in on a Sunday night right after the Vegas Open just happened. Uh, definitely kind of a weird time to do it, but we really appreciate all the live listeners tuning in, chatting. Dylan C's awesome guest. Um, if you're listening post-audio, check it out on all your favorite podcast platforms. Leave a like, subscribe, however you got to do it on those. On this channel, go ahead and hit that thumbs up button one last time. Make sure that you clicked it. Tell someone you love them this week. We'll catch you in the next one. That's right. And everyone's already signed out. So I only got to do Ben, you're awesome. And Nick, you're awesome. Peace out, everybody. Peace. The Nick and Matt Show, a disc golf podcast designed for you, the disc golfer. Find the Nick and Matt Show on your favorite podcast platforms or join the conversation live on YouTube. 